0: You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Socks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at Socksinthebasement.com. You come in here and you tell me that you want to start the show off I do. With with a happy anecdote? Is for that what once, you're telling me? For once. Something that I'm, made you happy. For once,
1: something the White Sox did made me happy. Well, okay, first of all, unfortunately, we didn't get quite the week record-wise we were hoping for,
0: right? I figured it was four games against the Nationals and three games against the Royals. And they'll take two out of three from the Royals, no problem. Right. And they'll split with the Nationals, no problem. And I was like, maybe they take three out of four from the Nationals. Nationals ruined my entire plan.
1: But I was happy about something that happened this weekend, Chris. I'm going to tell you what, right? This weekend, we finally got it, Chris. We got the benching of Yonder Alonso. When I read it, I was like, ah, that's so wonderful. That is like the (laughs) best thing. That is like the best (laughs) thing ever. It made me all warm and fuzzy inside. The Monday, thing, he's back in the well, lineup. Well, here's the
0: thing. Here's so the
1: thing. It, my 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 joy was short lived. This
0: is this is all part of the process of they've got to find a way to get something out of him because they intend to trade him. But trust me, there's no way this guy vest. it would be the dumbest organizational move possible to end up paying him the money they'd have to pay him if he ends up with the 550 at bats that he needs to vest. So, it, but the thing is. He can go all the way through to 31st of, the ju- of July with the trade deadline, and then once he gets to the 31st of July, then the, you could you could use him once a week, and he's not going to get 550 at bats. Right. So, it, don't stress too much about it.
1: No, I'm not. I'm not stressing. I just don't want to look at him anymore. I don't want to. I don't want to see him anymore. I don't okay. want to see Wellington Castillo okay, well, anymore. Well,
0: here's the thing. There's a lot of positives. Yes, there's a lot of positives. There's, yes,
1: there there's a, lot a lot of positives. But uh, I was I was very I was very happy that. You know, they at least had the the whatever you want to call it to bench him for. You, you use gumption. Days. They had the gumption to do it. I was not. I'm not going to use that word. <laughs> I will not use that word. Okay. So listen. Intestinal fortitude. <laughs> okay. Organizational uh, intelligence. Accounta-
0: accountability. Accountability. It was accountability to the third. Yes, yes. Absolutely. Okay. It only took months. Okay. Only months. There there are some some real interesting things that have happened over the last couple of weeks that I think. You first of all, you, you can no longer watch this team to see whether or not they won or lost every day.
1: Oh, you know, I'm not watching wins or losses since day one, dude. No, well, I was
0: kind of hoping, no, like, you know. No. I mean, look, I, I didn't even expect playoffs, I didn't, I didn't even expect a playoff run, but I wanted to see. I, I enjoy watching a team win. Like I still like watching baseball. You know of what I'm course. saying? Like of I, course. I, I go out to my my daughter's uh, you know 12 inch softball games in Evergreen Park, and I watch her. And I'm not only I watch her and I watch the rest of the game because I just like watching the game. You know, I I just like the game well, of baseball. I, I will put
1: in. I like to watch meaningful baseball. Right. Okay. I okay. like to watch baseball. Like I don't. I'm not watching this team if they're you know 62 and 100. But I mean, I don't when think you, they're going to be that. No, 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 but no. They're going to be ten <laughs> games under five hundred. They're going to be ten
0: games under five hundred here by the All Star break with the schedule they have to go through. That's oh yeah, a real the schedule's nasty. But they're going to get destroyed in the next couple it's of weeks. N- it's
1: nice to see. It's n- it's nice to see Yoen Mancata having the year he's having and and coming into his own at third base. We were all very wrong about Tim Anderson. The dude is the dude is an All Star. Um, it's it's really nice to see the development of Lucas Giolito. Giolito is a Cy Young candidate right now. He's an ace. He's yeah. a staff ace. He's, he's nine and one, dude. He is. He went from having a. He went from having like a six something ERA down to like a two ERA in the in this string and, of games. That and he's if having. you're not
0: sure as to whether or not it's real, remember he was a high draft pick who had this potential to be this. And we saw. And then it didn't work out in Washington, and they were willing to deal him. And, we and then he su- comes here, and he. But it, when they when they fix this arm thing, I mean, is think about how crazy this game is. That here's a guy who toils, and the, and and he's getting advice from somebody. And when you when you when you read him talking about it, he's getting this advice from this old coach, and he's rejecting the advice, and he's rejecting the advice, and he's not paying attention because he's like, "I've got guys who are taking care of me." And then finally, it's such a bad year with the White Sox last year. He goes, "Look, man, I'm sorry I haven't been listening to you. What do I do?" And the guy fixes him.
1: And you saw flashes of this last year. I mean, there were times when you. Lucas looked like a world beater. You know, there were times when you saw the flashes, but it just he was never able to put it together. Right. I mean, so it is. Yes, it is very nice to watch. As you know, he, um, Jimenez had himself a nice weekend. Right. Hit a couple of bombs there. Right. So it's nice to see that. I'm enjoying the fact that Leury Garcia is contributing.
0: To this I really, team. I, I like Leury on this team. I think that he's probably a trade candidate. Because some team might like him, and you could make the argument you could find another LeUri Garcia, but if they don't deal LeUri, I'm totally fine with it. Because like I said, I think he should be, we always said at the beginning in the off season, we're like, oh, Yomer's the guy that'll move all over the place. That's the guy no, who's your utility guy. No, it guy. should be LeUri no, should, Leary, should Garcia. be Leary Garcia. He's your Swiss Army Garcia. Leary, he goes. He goes your outfield, he goes your infield. He's, he's your number one sub as this team gets better. Yes. Okay, when Madrigal and Robert are up, because it'll come. When Andrew Vaughn is up, we're going to talk about we're going to talk to James Fox here in just a minute about the number one draft pick and how soon he's going to be a White Sox. And I think you're going to be surprised by it. And we're also going to talk a little bit about how the draft actually went in just a few moments here. But there's there's a team that's starting to come together. You can't get too excited, though, about wins and losses. I, I, I find myself sometimes saying, don't pick up your phone, Chris. Don't look at White Sox Twitter. Because you're just going to get yourself incensed getting into the game. Because you're going to get mad about stuff that Ricky Renteria is doing. <laughs> you know, bunting with Tim Anderson, who's got nothing but speed on first base, with a guy that has never shown that he's a great bunter. And, and, you're gonna, and you've got a catcher that doesn't throw anybody out regularly. Now, I know you have a left-handed pitcher on there, and I'm talking about this game against the Nationals last week. But you, there's, a, there's a point where you're overthinking, Ricky. You are. And I think Ricky listens to some of these shows. I don't know if he listens to ours or somebody else's. <laughs> I think Ricky reads the criticisms about him. I think Ricky's got a burner account on Twitter. Because when Ricky sat there and made, like, the comment that Dylan Cease was not coming up this week. He did that this weekend when Covey goes on the IL. And he, he looked at the camera, like, with, like, just, like, the slyest of faces. Like, I'm just going to end that talk. And that was directed at somebody that he heard that from. Right. Okay. Right. And, you know, I mean, like, I mean, he, he's... He's clearly like, you know, I know people aren't very happy with me, and too bad I'm the manager. Like, he's got that, he got that, like, attitude out of what he talks. Like, I know you all think I'm stupid, but until somebody fires me, I'm going to do what I want to do. That's well, kind of how he is right
1: now. Yeah, but, I mean, the plant, listen. We nobody's talked-
0: firing him. They're going to keep him around until he proves that he can't do it with the players that they expect up. If he goes out and, like, gets all these players and they're ready to play and then he does this stuff, they'll replace him. But he's not going anywhere this year, folks. No, not this
1: year. But I mean, isn't the isn't isn't the plan uh, like to like we were talking about this? I mean, isn't isn't the plan to eventually promote
0: this Kel from? He bunts a lot too. He's old school too. Yeah, you watched some of his games. He's bunting Lewis Robert the other day. (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy!
1: Socks in the basement. Socks in
0: the basement. Sox in the basement. We're going to have him on, too. Who, Louis Robert? No, 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 Viscel, <laughs> Viscel. We're going to have Viscel <laughs> on is in the next awesome. couple of weeks. That's I, awesome. I,
2: Can you ask him why he bumps so often, too? Yeah, why are you bunting with Louis Robert?
0: James Fox is on. He's from Future Sox. He's from the Loop Sports. He's been just in the thick of everything White Sox draft for the last month or so, and I think I'm officially the last person he's going to talk about the draft, and he's never going to speak about the 2019 draft again. Is that right?
2: <laughs> <laughs> eh, eh. No, we'll probably still a little bit because we got like bonus agreements and stuff coming in. Like oh, Andrew God. Vaughn has Andrew Vaughn has to sign one of these days, so
0: he'll sign though, right? I mean, there's no there's no nerves about that or anything. these yeah, guys are sign. from
2: from what I know, the top 21 picks are all signing. Um, okay. Sometimes they just have to wait on money because there's you know just like the the baseball is weird. So you have money for your first ten rounds, and then sometimes you use some of that money for your guys later but you need to make sure the top guys are signed first. So, yeah, it's, it's it's strange, but I think it's all coming together. Well, take me through
0: just the way that this draft was different because Nick Hostetler said that this is a much different way to do a draft. And I think what he was referring to, and correct me if I'm wrong, maybe can get into it a little bit, uh, the idea that after they go after Vaughn, who, you know, you and I – you and I talked about it. We were like, we were between, uh, you know, which, which guy we thought they should get number one. I'm going to tell you something. After I heard Vaughn talk and I saw C.J. Abrams talk, I was like, I'm glad we got Vaughn. Vaughn seems like he's a, a grown man and he's ready to play baseball right now. So I was kind of excited about that. But after that, they go prep for, I think, four straight picks. And then they start just grabbing college players, which seem like it's so that they can pay for the prep guys. Kind of tell me why this is like a different way for the Sox uh, than in years past.
2: Yeah, so, it's, I mean, it's definitely a different way for the Sox because they, they, haven't, they just haven't taken prep players at all. And we've kind of talked about that a little bit, like, and there's this misconception that Nick Hostetler is just like this guy that's, like, drafting these close to Major League Ready bats, like, from college. And, I mean, he came up with the Atlanta Braves under the John Sherhold scouting model, and you know, which placed a high emphasis on power pitching and athletes um now when he took over as scouting director of the Sox, i think it was more of an organizational philosophy to kind of load the system with you know closer to the majors type guys but also just like you know more fundamentally sound baseball players guys with higher walk rates than k rates try to insulate the system a little bit so that your system's just a little bit better well, now i think it's time to like fill up the lower levels of the minor leagues and try to like take some more chances on players. So in the lead up to the draft, you know, I think some of those CJ Abrams rumors came out and we talked about that, like assuming that there was going to be this different focus. Now, I think the one thing people didn't, realized was that like you know you could still take the best player available at three and Andrew Vaughn and then still go prep, but it's hard because Andrew Vaughn's going to cost like close to seven million dollars, which you know with a bonus pool of eleven point five million they can go five percent over. So I mean give or take, Sox can spend about twelve million on the draft. I mean, it doesn't give you a lot of room to like. I mean high school players are expensive. So the way the way that Nick Hostetler explained this to us was. The top two picks were targets. They wanted Vaughn at three. They settled on Vaughn at three. That's easy to do, right, when the top two players go. Well, then at 45, the, the, the high school kid they took, a Matthew Thompson, was a guy who was really good um, last year on the summer showcase circuit and kind of looked like he was going to possibly be like a top 25 type guy. And then he had a really bad spring. And um, Hosteller kind of said, like, he liked that he had a bad spring because that allowed them to get him at 45. So that was their draft plan. Um they did it. Their draft was on night one. Well then from what I understand the guy they took in the third round, Andrew Dahlquist, which is a he's a right handed prep pitcher out of California. He was still on the board. They weren't expecting him to be on the board. They knew that it was a high price tag. We still haven't seen what it is. It's rumored to be around two million dollars, which is which is is tough. And that's basically what caused the strategy change. I mean they as a department they decided okay, let's take this guy, let's pay him what he needs. But then that's what made the draft strange because you basically punt on the rest of your, you know, not that you can't find players, but you, you decide the rest of the top 10 rounds basically that you have to just sign college seniors for $10,000, um, to pay for the guys up at the front, you know, they, the the scouts like basically stayed up all night scrambling, trying to like, you know, go through their lists and find the seniors that they wanted in order to like do this strategy. So, I mean, a couple other teams, the the Marlins and Mets did something similar to sign players. Um, it's definitely different. I mean, teams have done it. It's just different for the Sox.
0: Now, the thing that I I read before they got to the draft was this idea that the Major League Baseball draft is very different from any other draft because you'll get a call from a scout and a scout will sit there and say, hey, uh, we're thinking about taking you. Would you take this amount of money? And you either tell him yes, you tell him no. If you say, I'm not sure, they never call you again, but they... You know, that's the thing. So they kind of know when they pick the guy, they're already kind of slotting like, "Okay, well, 2 million is going to this guy and 7 million is going to this guy and we got X amount of dollars left." And they're kind of doing that. Is that is that safe to assume that's what happened here when they were dealing with these players in the in the their second, or third, or fourth round, their fourth pick were we're all high school guys?
2: Yeah, I mean, they know exactly. They pretty much know exactly what they're paying those guys otherwise. Like when guys go in the top 10 rounds, they sign because you you lose the bonus pool money for the player if, if they don't sign. So teams are very aware. So, for example, like, for whatever reason, like if Matthew Thompson, like, didn't sign with the White Sox and he went to Texas A&M instead, the White Sox wouldn't get Matthew Thompson. But they also lose that slot. So they basically can't spend the $1.5 million associated with Matthew Thompson. You know, so it's not like... If Matthew Thompson doesn't sign, right? And then you take a few high schoolers wait that you didn't think you could sign, you can't just take that money and sign those guys. It doesn't work that way. That's why so like with top ten picks like, you have to sign him. So, for example, like, their, their fifth-rounder, okay? Like, their fifth-rounder is a left-handed pitcher from Boston College. They're giving him $10,000 because he's a senior and he basically has no leverage. And if he wants to play professional baseball, like, he's taking $10,000. Right. Well, that, that slot is like 340 k something like that. So they're not paying him that. But in order to use that 340 k the guy that they use the fifth-round pick on has to sign a contract with you. So, so that's where the seniors come in. So it's hard. Like, you look at rounds five through ten, and you're like, eh, you know, some of these guys have traits. They'll probably be org guys. Like, they'll play in the minors for the Sox, you know, for a little bit. And, you know, most of them probably won't make it to the big leagues. But – it's a necessary evil, and when looking at baseball drafts, you have to look at the totality of the 40 rounds instead of looking at what rounds guys were drafted in.
0: So now you looking at this draft and looking at what the Sox did with Vaughn and then the, the three high schoolers before they start grabbing college seniors, did you like this draft by Nick Hosteller?
2: Yeah, I did, actually, quite a lot. Like, they finally went young, and obviously, like, you know, some of these young guys carry more risk, but they also have a longer, you know, they have a longer leash, like, it they they could fail a little bit and still make it up to the big leagues. Like by the time they're 22, whereas you're taking some of these college guys, if anything happens, I mean, look at Jake Berger, like, right. Jake, Jake Berger makes it back. Like, well, I still think Jake Berger can be a big leaguer, but he's going to be 25 or 26. I mean, Dane Dunning's going to be 26 probably. I mean, this is, if you have any setbacks at all. So I mean, they needed to get a little bit younger. Nick Hossett was talking about wanting to get younger. And the one other thing he told us was he really didn't think this draft class was that deep. And in past years, you know, you got a Jimmy Lambert in round five, you got a Bernardo Flores in round seven, a Cade McClure in round six. And like, look, while these guys aren't going to be top of the rotation starters for the White Sox, they could give you innings in the back end of a rotation. He didn't even think there were guys like that. So, so I think he kind of figured like, he's not going to, he decided to not pay those slot bonuses 400,000, 300,000, 250,000, whatever, you know, in rounds six, seven, eight, nine, 10, he'd rather just get four top or three top prep guys to like add to Vaughn. Cause it was kind of like, Oh man, they took Dahlquist. Like that's crazy. That's like something like they don't usually do. And I think Andrew Dahlquist, you know, he's going to be one of the top picking prospects in the system. Like Andrew Dahlquist, if Andrew Dalkus goes to Arizona and does what people thought he was going to do, I mean, you're looking at a potential top 10 pick three years from now out of college.
0: And the Sox get him in round three, and and they go out and they pick up a bunch of guys who are high school seniors are going to give $10,000 to each so they can pay, overpay for him now and then be right, like, now exactly. we've got this guy and we can develop him long term in our minor league system.
2: Yeah, and then you can develop them yourself, too, instead of trusting Arizona to do it for you. I mean, and then you you know, and then maybe you don't have that pick years from now. So, yeah, and I mean, I think that was part of it. I mean, he, he said that he told us the draft was odd, and I think it's because of the way they use the money, but it's also because it just wasn't that deep of a class. Now, what the Sox did is tough to do because they're a big market team. They don't have the perks that small market teams have. I mean, if you were to like Google search right now, like oh, which teams had the best drafts? Well, I mean, Arizona did because Arizona had, you know, Arizona drafted like twelve or thirteen players off MLB pipelines, top two hundred. but Arizona had seven of the top like seventy-five picks. The Sox aren't ever going to have that luxury, you know. Like they don't get they don't get first-round picks for losing free agents and first-round picks for, um, for for being in a small market. So it's tough to do. I mean, it's. When you sign prep players, they're expensive, and when you pick third and you take the best college hitter in the country and you have to pay him $7 million, that's expensive too. So this is basically the only way to do this. Like, hey, let's pay Andrew Dahlquist. Okay, well, we got to save later to pay for it because it's really the only way to do it.
0: Okay, that's really interesting. And it also illustrates why the White Sox should never spend money like a small market team because here you see why – they don't get the advantages of the small market team, so they might as well act like a big market team. Before we get out of here...
2: 100%.
0: Yeah, before we get out of here, I want to ask you about Andrew Vaughn in particular. He's the third overall pick the night before the draft and the day of the draft. I'm hearing things on MLB Network, and you know everybody's got a comparable of Mickey Mantle on draft night. I mean, they're all going to be the greatest baseball player ever, but everybody just gushed over his hitting ability. You tweeted out... That he could possibly get here late twenty twenty. I did a double take, thinking that it was a misprint. Like you are thinking, he could possibly get here towards the end of next year. That's how good he hits. Everybody's saying he could come into the major leagues and hit right now. What's the realistic expectation for White Sox fans for this guy coming here and making an impact and being being a part of this team taking the next step?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, you know, it wasn't it wasn't a typo. I mean, it, some stuff's got to go right. Just that. I think it depends on where they start him. They've typically, you know, they send guys to the that Arizona League, and he'll probably go there for like five games as a tune-up or whatever. But if he ends this season at Winston Salem, um, that puts him on track to start next season in Double A in his first full season. And if he hits a Double A and Robert and Cease. And magical, and all these guys are part of your major league team next year. I mean, there's absolutely no reason to not just bring up Andrew Vaughn and let him join the, the fray. I mean, the Sox have kind the Sox have kind of slow played this thing a little bit. We've talked about that in the past. Like, you know, Zach Collins has taken a while. Jake Berger's taken a while. This guy, this guy is not that. Um, this guy is going to hit, and he's going to hit immediately.
0: You know what? I think it's going to be a really interesting next 18 months to be a White Sox fan as we watch this team come together and we also watch these guys who've been waiting to get to the majors get to the majors. Are you or someone you know looking to learn how to play a musical instrument this year? Then you should be checking out Westgate Music School, 6527 West 127th Street in Palos Heights. Private music lessons for all instruments, including guitar, piano, drums, voice, bass guitar, violin, banjo, ukulele, and more. Are you a vocalist? Are you ready to play a musical instrument and looking to join a group? Westgate Music School offers group classes for rock band, acapella vocal, and barbershop quartet. Students of all ages and ability levels will have the opportunity to perform three times a year in a student concert. Gift certificates for Westgate are also available. More information, call 708-586-7002 or go to westgatemusicschool.com.
1: If you get yourself into next year and you still have Giolito and Mancada and Anderson and, you know, you those guys doing what they're doing and you have... Another step forward in uh, Jimenez development, and you have Lewis Robert up here, Nick and Madrigal, you have most Nick Madrigal point, up yes. here, and you have a, a healthy Kopech, and you have well Rodon won't be healthy not until until, the, not end not the, until the end of the no. year, but I mean if if you have a Dylan Cease up here, and this team is still muddling below five hundred.
0: Then I'm uh, then I'm annoyed. Then you're annoyed. Then I'm then in the then division in, for the the, manager's head. in the in the division that you're in. Right. Then I'm calling for the manager's head. Yeah. Then it's you got to do something. Then it becomes. Then you get me on the hashtag #fire #fire Ricky bandwagon. Right. But I'm not on imme- that right immediately. Now. Right. But yes. I'm not on that right now. Okay. Because I'm still trying to figure out is this him or is this the is this the idea of cultivating and bringing guys up. I mean, look, even in the minor leagues, when they promote a guy, they don't automatically stick him in like the three hole when they bring him up. They stick them a little bit lower in the lineup. They let them get used to double-A pitching. They let them get used to triple-A pitching, and then they move them up. They're doing the same kind of thing here in the major leagues in a way, okay? Right. So, so I mean, it's, that, that, that's kind of how I'm seeing it. I'm seeing it as you. I have to start looking at this, unfortunately, through the prism of this is not – we're not trying to win. We're trying to build. And if you look at it that way, you're happy. I mean, think about it this way, Dave. If I would have told you at the beginning of the season – Carlos Rodon is going to have to have Tommy John surgery and be out for the majority of 2019 and 2020 and then be closer to them losing control of him. But Lucas Giolito is going to turn into a bona fide ace. Do you take that or not? Oh, yeah. Okay. You absolutely take that. I'm going to tell you. In some ways, real quick, in some ways, it wouldn't surprise
1: you well, the Giolito thing would su- would have surprised me because at the end of the year, we were talking like that Ronaldo Lopez was going to be that guy. But the Rodon thing almost doesn't surprise me because we do have a history of injuries there, right. unfortunately.
0: If, if I'm going to tell you that the team is going to, to have these frustrating weeks and things are going to go wrong, but Tim Anderson is an all-star caliber player all of a sudden, Juan Moncada is a legitimate person that you might consider to vote in at third base at all-star. And James McCann comes out of nowhere and you don't have to worry about whether or not Zach Collins works out for you in the long run because you can hold on to McCann for a couple of years while Collins comes along. Would you take that? Oh, yes. Okay. Oh, yes. I mean, that's the thing. And so, look, buy your tickets on Giolito Day, but go to the ballgame for crying out loud. Right. I'm going to tell you something right now. I I just look at the schedule now. I'm like, when's Giolito Day? (laughs) I'm going on Giolito Day. Giolito Home Games. Giolito Home Games should have a 20,000-person attendance spike. Every time he goes out there, okay? It should be like, it's a Giolito Day. 15,000 people should walk up. I'm not kidding. In (laughs) the summer, it's what it should be like. Giolito Day should be a day where everybody shows up to the ballpark, watches the young talent. Ricky should use his best lineup out there. Yes. See what I'm saying? A Giolito Day. Giolito Day, once every five days, should be the White Sox saying, this is what it's going to look like. Enjoy this while we tinker on the other four days. Right. Enjoy this day. Giolito Day is your day, White Sox fans. You, we're going to win this game. And that's what they should do. Giolito Day should be like an event. They should have their best lineup. <laughs> Wellington Castillo shouldn't see the field. <laughs> Yanzer Alonso, if he's in there, should be like batting seventh. I mean, Ricky should be using the right lineup. There should be no bunting. I mean, like, like that's Giolito Day. Let's do it up on Giolito Day. There should be freaking F-16s. Flying over the stadium! Call the
1: uh call call Lurie Lightfoot. We gotta make it a Chicago uh, uh holiday. Day. It's right. Giolito Day. Thank you. <laughs> it's I'm just saying Day. Giolito Day should be an event and White Sox fans should be <laughs> out for Giolito Day. It's like <laughs> It's like it's like the joke of like back a few years ago in WWD, like the the guy Rusev. Right. Every day was Rusev yeah, day. It's Rusev
0: day. It's Rusev day. Yeah, it's it's Giolito day. day. Gialolo right. day should be like a thing. That was such a fun gimmick too. Okay, but here is the thing. Yes, that's I, the thing. Right, and, is, and if you look at it through that prism, it's not a bad summer, and we're gonna get our butts kicked over the next couple of weeks, guys.
1: It it might not be as bad as you think, right. record wise. You might see. You might see them squeak out a couple here that, that they shouldn't. Okay. Maybe
0: they'll get crushed, but let I, me, you know. Let knows? me ask you some questions here. Yes, sir. Let me ask you some questions Absolutely. here. Okay. You have your hard earned money and you're ready to go to a White Sox game. And your options are a game where they're doing rock and roll night and post game fireworks or Giolito night. Oh, Giolito night. And they night. don't give away anything.
1: Don't give away anything. Oh, okay. What about
0: Hawaiian shirts and post game fireworks or nothing in Giolito?
1: I hate Hawaiian shirts. Okay. Giolito. Yeah.
0: The chosen few DJs doing house music night or no music at all at Giolito. They play house
1: music every night. It's, <laughs> it's,
0: it's, it's, it's no, a I don't, I don't 312 ice Sox hat or no hats for anybody. And Giolito.
1: I'm a bald gentleman. We don't look good in hats, <laughs> I, like, especially baseball. Cats. Your kids get to run the bases.
0: I don't have kids. Or you tell your kids. I didn't get to run the bases when I was a kid. Gialito, I don't have kids, so Gialito. <laughs> I do, and I'm like Gialito. Look, this these, be- quest- these questions are all too S- easy for me. Save your money for Gialito and the eventual debut of Dylan Cease. Like, if you're a White Sox fan, and like, I mean, I get people all the time who are like, "Oh, you know, I used to go to 15 game. Didn't we have a caller like last week or the week before that where he came on? And I, I mean, I had no problem with what he said. I was fine with his lineup. And I liked what I, and I remember him saying, you know, I normally go to a bunch of games. I'm not going to that many because he's frustrated. And this sure. goes back to my thing like, don't get frustrated because you expected wins this year because that's not what the plan is. And I know that it's aggravating, but we're better this year than we were last year. This is the process. Okay. He was talking about, I only, I'm only going to so many games. Everybody's always like that. Well, I'm going to 10 games. I'm going to go to five games. I'm only going to go to games that really matter. Well, it should be, you, right now, you should be like, okay, where's the schedule? Mark off all your Giolito games. Like this is where he should be. And and just do it a couple weeks in advance, just on the off chance of some like a game gets canceled and now all of a sudden you don't get it. Or you do right. walk ups, dude. Just right. if you listen, you can walk right down the right. line. If you hear right. Giolito's pitching, right. just get there and and go get you, you can some. Walk tickets. Right up. Yeah, you can walk right up. This is that's the thing. You have the opportunity. This may be greater than than what it's going to be later on when they're good, because you know when you're gonna get a good baseball game. You know you're getting a good game on Giolito Day. Right. Yes. So you know you're getting a good game on Giolito day. It almost seems like Ricky understands it too, because it seems like his lineups are always on point now with Giolito over the last couple. Well, of yeah, because you have McCann in the four. Right, right. Because he's like he's like we're not messing with any. We want to win this game. This yeah. is Giolito day. You'll he knows have, it.
1: You'll have McCann. You'll have McCann in the four. Right. You'll have he dropped Alonzo down. Alonzo last time. down. You'll have Castillo. You know somewhere not, else. Yeah. He's yeah. I he's, mean you know right exactly eating popcorn
0: in the bullpen or exactly, something. Right. Exactly bullpen okay.
1: catching. But 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 that's the thing
0: you. If you're a Sox fan, look at the schedule. Be like, Giolito, Giolito, Giolito. I'm probably going to go those days. I'll wait to walk up. And then you can walk up and you can get good seats the day of. Yes. Like, that's how how I'm going to treat the rest of the summer. And I'm going to wait for the seats day. And if for some reason somebody's like, hey, I got free tickets. Or do you want to go to a game? You want to buy your ticket or something or buy me some beers? I'll look at the schedule. I'll be like, yeah. I'll have a good time at the ballpark. If it's not Giolito or Reynaldo Lopez, I'm probably going to stand out on the concourse and just drink beer and goof off with my friends. And, and every right. once in a while, I'll listen. I'll listen. I'll hear somebody who's being announced and I'll be like, oh, I want to see Moncada hit or I want to see the Anderson, Anderson hit. hit. or Yeah, right. Exactly. But I mean, otherwise, just what what's going on here? And, and that's the thing. There's two different teams. You're, you're either going to spend your hard-earned money on when the team has a pitcher out there and is competitive, or you're gonna spend your money on a team that's developing guys, not using a very good pitcher out there, and the manager might make weird moves because he's trying to find out what this guy's got, what his makeup is. You're looking at two different teams, okay? You're looking at the White Sox 4A squad three days a week for sure. You're looking at their Major League squad once a week, and depending on how Raynaldo Lopez starts off the game, it's one or the other on that fifth day. And that's, that's what this team is when you're watching White Sox baseball another show is wrapped up another show's in the books another show is wrapped up and then by the looks
1: it's gonna be a good one and we'll see you next week and the nudist basemines and the nudist another show is wrapped up another show is wrapped up another show is wrapped up and it's in the books Another show is wrapped up, another show is wrapped up,
0: and by the looks, it's gonna be a good one. Newt is Basement, Broadcast Basement, The Newt is Basement, The Broad
1: Basement. Slancha, That was like Dropkick Murphys or something, right? <laughs> I felt like it.
0: You know what the most (laughs) embarrassing thing about the All-Star Ballot is? is I'm looking at it right now. Yonder Alonso is listed as the top guy on the designated hitter thing because his last name begins with an A. So he's the top player when you look at the list of designated hitters. And as of today, when we're recording the 181 average with the Five ninety six OPS God five sub 600 makes, makes his OPS like, is How's this 600. guy even on the ballot and then right below him you got Nelson Cruz the immortal Nelson Cruz <laughs> who's hitting 279 <laughs> with a 924 OPS and you're like well I mean you start laughing as you go down the list you can't find somebody who's hitting worse on the all-star ballot than Yonder Alonzo hey listen Yonder Alonso. listen. You think he listen, called Major League Baseball and was like, come on, guys. Why did you just leave me off that bat? It's digital. Just take me off of that. Listen, that yeah? is, that it's embarrassing.
1: listen, listen, wait, you mean a, a left-handed power hitter who comes here and has his career worst year? That's never happened to us before. Socks in the Basement. Heard everywhere a podcast can be found. And always on com.